from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the Jack and Spike Show. Welcome back to the Jack and Spike Show. The White House's first chief diversity and inclusion officer is leaving the Biden administration. And Ring is stepping up to protect your rights, Mr. O'Neill, which is unusual, but not that unusual. What is unusual is that John Curley is in the studio. Present. And accounted for. Such a rarity these days, John. Feast your eyes upon me. It's almost like seeing the Sasquatch, some kind of (laughs) mythical creature, right? If the Sasquatch wore tailored clothing and had perfectly kept nails and hair. John is very metrosexual. Okay, guys, can we stop fawning over me and get to the news? (laughs) Right, Aaron? Don't you hate it? I That's agree. why they keep you 200 miles from me, because That's I cannot right. stop. Marin, human resources, <laughs> please. So, John, what do you think about, so before we get to all this stuff, it is a really dark topic to start off on, but Spike and I were just talking about that, the execution that's going to take place oh, about, yeah. with the nitrogen. Alabama. How, where do you fall on this? Because it seems, just reading about it, doing a kind of a cursory once-over, seems not only bizarre, but pretty cruel and unusual that you're going to use this guy Kenneth Edwards as kind of just a test run to see if it's going to work. It's the first time it's ever been used anywhere in the world, mm. and they're going to test it. And I'm reading what the because he's entitled to have a, a religious leader. Yeah, in yeah. the in he's got his his faith and his his minister. I'm not sure what the that, uh, affiliation that guy, is. That guy's going to be in there despite the fact that they're telling him that he probably shouldn't be in the room because the mask might leak. And right, so, he's supposed to stay three foot back from the accused right. Right, to give last rights and provide aid and comfort to the dying, which is everybody's right. right. So just to remind me of the actual procedure itself, is it it's they're changing the 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 structure of the air that's in the room. They're, they're going to force feed him nitrogen, nitrogen. Depriving, him of, depriving him of oxygen. Right. So then the brain basically goes to sleep. So they're trying to find the least painful way to well, end somebody's life. I, I, that, I guess, is their goal. But from what I understand of the process, he will suffocate. From lack of oxygen. Yeah, well, then it, it's going to take a couple minutes. Right. So, isn't isn't suffocation? Isn't that a, a horrible way to die? The problem they ran into there's two or three companies that make the actual drugs that they used to inject in you, right. and they stop making those things because they were just getting. Well, they, too they much. didn't want those drugs to be used to kill people. All the drug companies got together and said, "We make drugs to to help people and to cure problems, right. not to be used to implement death." It's phenobarbital, by the way, which used to be mommy's little helper. That's right. Used to use it just for funsies, and then they yeah, figured, the Stones had fun with it. These yeah. guys are high you know, enough doses; it'll. Take you right out. So they they just stop making it. So I mean, but John, it would, it's the kind of thing where I would admit, like, do you do Gary Gilmore right in Utah? What do you mean? Gary Gilmore took uh, uh, execution a bullet. Right. Yeah. His choice. Yeah. Is that preferred but, method? But don't you think that's also kind of cruel and unusual, John? Because when I look well, at wait, it, what think- is cruel and unusual. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it. You're you're one of the six or seven that are firing off a round into somebody's heart. Or you're the person that has to pull the trigger that, or pull the switch, pull the switch. that right. causes the, the the gas to start to be released, or you pull the guillotine. I mean, all of it is terrifying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, the, the fact that we subject people to that, I personally think that we should probably do away with it as Americans, and we should probably just move on from it and think of a different model, maybe a quarantine model, I don't know, to use with people that we have deemed to be unsafe around society right i'm just not sure irredeemable irredeemable right and mayhap we even give locked care and help have these people process their feelings around their sociopathy or their whatever it might be right here's the argument from somebody like i think either rich lowry or somebody at the national review i saw him do his talk on this it might not have been rich that 
taking another human life is so horrible that society needs to do something in comparison to the seriousness of you taking that life, which is we will take your life. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's an old Hannah Robbie thing, eye for an eye. Sure. That you, to, to make this, it is society needs to say you took a human life. Because of that, we take your life. That's how seriously we take this. That That's sort of the. What, what about the death? Three cents what about the. Uh, well, I can't find the, the word. The deterrent? Need. Yes, the deterrent, no deterrent. deterrent factor. There is no deterrent. I was going to say. It's, Although it's they did say they used it with Gary Ridgway and that they used it as a form of getting him to admit other murders and where other bodies were. They used it as a negotiating tool. Right. Dr. Dave Reichert and others that worked on this, they said because they held that over his head, he was more likely to go, okay, yes, there was a body there and there's one here and then I did this and right. did that. And so they used it in that tool. Um, but I don't believe anybody who's in the midst of murdering another person goes, ooh, wait a minute, they'll end up. Probably shouldn't do this. They may, they may execute me. No. Right. Nope. So the White House's top diversity officer and first ever aide in the role is leaving the Biden administration after three years in his position, Michael Leach. An unfortunate name for a DEI individual, right? Leach, Mr. Leach. Leach. Yeah. Uh, special assistant to the president, uh, chief of diversity and inclusion for the White House. He departs. Top aide since for Biden since 2020. John, I am. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that you're not a fan of DEI. No, Diver- I guess it all depends on how you define it. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. Yeah. So the first executive order came down on the 20th of January. As soon as Biden got in there, basically it falls under the tenant that systems are systemically racist. And because of systemic racism throughout the entire system of the federal government, we need to do something to push back on that. So what we'll do is we'll discriminate against other people in order to give other people an opportunity because the whole system is racist. It's the same sort of thing of affirmative action, right? Mm-hmm. And you take diversity, equity, and inclusion, and really what you're talking about is discriminating other people that are not part of the chosen people. Spike? I've been told I can't comment on these things because I get too emotional. <laughs> No, uh, no. I, why not? Mer- why not meritocracy? Why not uh, the best? I, 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 see, I don't think those two things are exclusive. I don't think. You, I don't think. Really? You can, I don't think you can have DEI and by foregoing meritocracy. I think if you need to have everyone qualified, have everyone just should, flat out meritocracy. That's that's fine, but that has given us ninety five percent white guys. Has it? She, well, otherwise, there wouldn't be a need for DEI. How about Asian Americans? Why do they excel? So, yeah, so I would say this, like the top earners in the United States are actually, are Asian. Or they're Indian Americans, right? right? Okay. So those people make the most amount of money. And then right behind them are, are Asian Americans, usually Chinese Americans, Japanese Americans. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote, white Americans about 10th on that list. Okay. If you look at sorted by ethnicity. However, the distribution of white Americans who are actually running Fortune 500 uh, companies, it's it's pretty, it's like a 70 percentile, right? So, I heard it's closer to 90, but I'll go with your 75. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I think that the when people talk about DEI, I think one of the things that people are concerned about is basically being excluded from positions that would have been available to them had there not been some kind of internal bias or whatever it might be against them, right? And I also, like, I don't fault people for supporting systems in which they want to have more, let us just say, Hispanic employees or black employees or female employees. representative of of the society we live in. Right. I don't fault people for having that position. And at the same time, I understand when you look at the kids that are told that they didn't get into Harvard, despite the fact that they had 4.5 GPA or whatever it was. Because Harvard wants to be more diverse. Because they want to be more diverse. I I can see that side of the argument completely uh, as well. I'll give you another example. Uh, When I was at University of California, Santa Cruz, there were a lot of kids uh, that got into UCSC from East L.A., they're from San Diego, 
and they did not have the grades to be in that program. That, now that yeah, I'm with you there. People the, who don't have the merit right should never get in so due to their what, DEI. What ended up happening to these kids? I know this because I I lived in a, an apartment complex on campus, and two of these kids that I lived with ended up leaving after their second year. They just couldn't hack it anymore. They didn't want to be around it. They weren't having any fun. They were failing out of class. It's not because they weren't intelligent, and it's not because they weren't capable. It's that that program was not designed to cater to their abilities. It was just a lot. It's very dense material, very difficult. Again, not that they're not smart. They weren't prepared for that material. So when you look at that, and that's a shame because technically you could say that those spaces could have gone to other people who maybe didn't come from their background of poverty or whatever it was. I'm not saying that that that's the way that it should be, like empirically, sole meritocracy. Because if that was the case, I mean, then you would have, I think, more discrimination than you might see otherwise, right? If it was based solely on meritocracy? It, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think that the, the argument that people make that it's easy to punch a hole in is that any difference so that if, if Asian Americans make up, I don't know, 8% of the population, then they should make up 8% of something. I'm all for DEI as soon as the NBA establishes it or as soon as we can get a white defense, defensive back uh, working in the NFL. Um, or we have one black punter, so we need more because they're not by population. They're not well represented. But just to take that simple number and yeah, simply but, say, well, if we have if you're seven percent of this population that needs to be represented in this field. So then why are Asian Americans uh, overrepresented in particular fields of uh, medical studies? It's because that's what they're drawn to. It's not that they're discriminating against somebody else. That's just what the case is. So but diversity, equity, inclusion basically says white people out and then they choose the others that they think have somehow been hurt by some, quote, system of racism. So therefore, we'll take that person and move that person above someone else, Uh, not based on meritocracy, but based purely on skin color. I I thought we had got rid of all of this stuff in 1964. We decided the Civil Rights Act. We wouldn't judge people by the color of their skin or perhaps the content of their character. And we wouldn't discriminate. They are directly discriminated against people that are not part of the group that they've chosen to there's support. A, there's examples, though, of systemic racism in the United States, though, right, John? I mean, yeah, there is. It's called affirmative action. No. <laughs> Thank John. Is, do you remember that case in South Carolina, the, the voter ID case? Which one? Is where the GOP basically tried to pass this law about voter ID, and the, it was reviewed by a judge. And the judge, who, by the way, who was a Republican, was looking at this law, and he was saying this was designed specifically to target the black people who live in South Carolina. Did it work? No, he overturned it. He was like, this law can't function, right? Uh So, I mean, I think a lot of people would look to that and say like, okay, well, that was a system that was attempted to be put into place, which was clearly targeting one specific group of people. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know the case, so I can't speak to it. Okay, but like there would be examples that we could point to. We would say, like, uh, listen, I just, why not meritocracy? Why can't it be the best of the best? If, if you found if, out you had cancer spike mm-hmm. and they brought in three doctors, right? And you looked well, I've at seen those this th- episode of Grey's Anatomy. I know exactly where you're going. <laughs> I've with never this. seen the show. But just assume for a moment, wouldn't you ask for the, give me the best doctor? And of the course. person says to you, well, we don't do best. Well, give me your best doctor. I've got this cancer. No, no, we don't do best. We don't do worst. We don't do best because we don't like to use that value. What we do is we have a Hispanic. We have a gay. We have a non-binary. We have a Muslim. We have a black. Those are your choices. Well, well, you which one's the, the best? General, I want right? the best. I'm well, going we gay have doctor. If I'm gay and I have a gay doctor, that gay doctor might ask me questions that a Muslim doctor might not know to ask me, right. which could help with a diagnosis. I think that's maybe why diversity matters. 
I'll give you another example. John, uh, like you know, dude, my, wouldn't you rather wouldn't you rather know that the doctor is really good as opposed to who the doctor wants to have sex with? Medical exams have they? And Not anymore because now because changes in five of the largest medical institutions, they're no longer asking for particular tests to be passed. And now the big test that you have to pass after your first year, which used to be graded on a scale from like I don't know thirty up to eighty, they've gotten rid of that. They now do pass fail because too many students were not quote unquote passing so they felt that it was discriminatory against a group of people so they got rid of that plus also medical schools are starting to get rid of mcats no longer we have to take a test because why well it's unfair to a certain group of people well, that aren't being able to get in i'll give you a counterpoint really quick john because i think this is i think that you bring a really important perspective to this so you know my ex-wife is going through grad school at the program that she's in they have a dei program and largely it's she's going to be a, a higher level therapist yeah. right and that's almost exclusively because in black communities, not a lot of people end up being therapists because right. they don't feel as if that's open to them. That's a good thing, right? That they have a program in which they're saying we want more black Americans to end up getting into this program so they can go back to Chicago, which, by the way, is where her classmates are from. Mm -hmm. And they can go be therapists within their community. Sure. So keep the standards exactly the same. The standards should be exactly the same that you everyone but, but, uh, but they, they blindfolded, they, but they champion the DEI initiative at this point. I don't want to name the institution, but they're very DEI. Like, I think it's half the student population, half the cohort is minority and or female. Mm -hmm. And that's by design. And I would say in that example, being that there's a deficit of black. But why is there a deficit? Is it because they're not interested in it? No, I would say oftentimes these people don't feel like they can actually get the scholarship or get to that position or even be welcomed into that institution. Or came from an underfunded community that didn't have the kind of academic standards that were required to get into those fields. All right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in a, in a sense, it's what we, you would really want to do is put more funding into these schools to make these kids better prepared to then go into a meritocracy. But, like, I, I was reading this really interesting study the other day that was talking about how the lack of air conditioners in certain school districts contributes to lower academic success. The lack of access to computers contributes to lower academic success. Can you imagine if more kids had access to air conditioners in the classroom and iPads, right? Yeah, You'd yeah. be changing a lot of lives. But instead, we end up doing this like meritocracy thing when that door is shut out to kids, potentially, because they didn't have central air and central heat. Go into a classroom in China where there's 75 kids in there and they don't have air conditioning, but each one of those kids could run circles around any kid coming out of a public school in America. Highest rates of suicide is China, man. I mean, it's a pretty it's, rough system. I know, it's they communism. It's really communism. hard when they start picking, <laughs> choose, picking and choosing winners and losers based I, upon selected saying, groups. I'm just saying, man, like if you look at the suicide rates in China, specifically with young men, it's really bad. Really so bad. When everybody's always championing like the, the fascist CCP, I'm always like, you guys ever look at like the health outcomes on those uh, on the young men in the CCP? They're not very good. We don't have enough data because they're dead. At the same time, John, I also I think there's a lot of merit to what you're saying because I saw it myself when I was at UCSC and I saw kids who were smart and who were capable and they were basically forced in heavy quotation marks into a program they just couldn't keep up with. Right. It was way above their great book came out called Mismatch. And once they got rid of affirmative action state of California, kids that would apply to college to get into the college they could get into were getting A's and B's and honor rolls because they were succeeding in the schools they could see it succeed in. Not the schools in in California that wanted to use those kids as trophies. Oh, look, we've got 5% or 10% because of this kid's color of their skin or something else. Send the kids to the schools that they can get into, that they can succeed in. Less dropout, less waste of money, and a, a less loss of somebody's ability to just do something better with their life.
All right. Can we, uh, can we get time to get to the ring doorbell story? I'd love to hear John's take on I that. Kinda I kind of want more ring doorbell stories. I, I kind of yeah. wanted to ask John about because John, you sent me a video of your car that you had driven into the middle of your field, mm. and you had said, <laughs> "Do you not remember?" Saying, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was stuck there for like five days. <laughs> so, <laughs> so John sends. I call John to complain as I do every weekend, mm-hmm. and then John says, oh, "I got to go." Triple A guys here. I said, "Why?" John says, "I drove my." <laughs> I drove Nick's. I drove Nick's car. And you know why? Let me tell you something. You know why it stopped? Because you called me, and I stopped to answer my phone. And oh, I you stopped. never broke momentum when you got. I know. No. I broke momentum. I broke no. momentum. No, it's physics one hundred one. If you'd gone to a better funded school, you would know, know that. John. I never got the follow up on what because the last thing I saw was you. Pull- oh, I broke the bumper and tore the thing off with my tractor with the chain. Snapped oh, trying to pull off it out yourself. Pull it out myself. Yeah. They don't make cars you. like they used to, John. You can't just pull them out anymore. <laughs> Did you see the video of the do- two dogs eating the front bumper of a car? Oh, yeah. That's yeah, great. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, that was me. I just got to say, John, like when you're when you're out in the wilderness, I don't, yeah. I'm not sure if it's the best idea to pull a Dukes of Hazard in your eighty thousand dollar Range Rover and <laughs> <laughs> drive it into the middle of a field in the middle of two. I shouldn't have answered the phone when you called, but I assume right. you were Getting back to the root of the problem. Yeah, your Jack. problems. Well, that's a little unusual, Mister Curly. But we appreciate it nonetheless. John Curly standing up for the working man. And the abolition of DEI walking out of the studio. Look how much he's taller than when he walked in. How's that possible? The the metrosexual that he is, wearing clothes that are two sizes too small, so we can all see the vascular nature of his forearms, right? Strong. So steroids. John does his his forearms are so taut. Has he ever had the two battleships shoot back and forth at each other on his forearm for you? No, I was going to say, when he plays baseball, he just uses his forearm. (laughs) He's like Sammy Sosa. You know what I mean? Right out of those stinking bats. Exactly. We'll take a really quick break when we get back. Oh, yes. The Golden State. There's this interesting thing in San Francisco where they tried to build a a seven or $1.7 million toilet. But here's the crazy thing about it it's just one. They're having a really hard time with it. It's not done. But the the story behind the headline is very different. Okay. I think we got to talk about it. I hope it's different because that's a terrible headline. Because it's a story that we can talk about here. Okay. It's actually oh, one of oh. those kinds of stories okay. where you're thinking, like well, what's going on in San Francisco? There's a story behind the headline, and then something similar is happening up here. we got to talk about it. We'll be right back right after this. Our story begins in No Valley, California. You ever been to No Valley there, Mr. O'Neill? No, I haven't. No Valley, N-O-E, by the way, is the bougiest part of San Francisco. It's on the it's on the a side of San Francisco. When everybody thinks about San Francisco, what do they think of? Uh, Fisherman's Wharf. Fisherman's Lombardi. Wharf. Right. You think about No Valley is on the opposite side of the, all that mess. Okay. Right. So it's on the Pacific Ocean side, and so it's kind of like it's uh, yoga coffee shops, you know, like, oh, this is my boutique baby stroller maker. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so they, uh, there's a famous uh, square that's in No Valley where all these very rich coastal elites go and they sip their $20 lattes and they go, my, I'd vote for Obama a third time if I could. And so what they decided to do in this square is they decided to put in a bathroom because there was no bathroom. And of course, what we know about uh, West Coast liberal elites is that they have weak, weak tummies, right? Yeah, yeah, weak, yeah. weak tummies. They get scared easily. Got to run to the bathroom. And so they celebrated because the cost came in at one point seven million dollars, 
and it still hasn't been built yet. Why? Because San Francisco has so many, to, to make a very long story very, very short, there are so many restrictions on what can be done, where, by who, is BART going to get involved, is uh, uh, Calam going to get involved, okay. how are we going to navigate this, there's a, a rare species of mite that lives in the No Valley, and it just so happens we discovered the, the little track marks that may have been a mite. It could have just been the dust, but we don't know, so we now have to do a study. Halt production. Halt production on this. But it brings up the headline behind the headline on this okay. is that what's the deal with the lack of public bathrooms? You ever notice this? The sincere lack of public bathrooms that are accessible to people? I think it's a quality of life thing. I understand that most people are going to be like, the homeless people, but I'm even just talking about Quality public restrooms. I went up to the uh, the uh, pharmacy on Capitol Hill, the Safeway up on mm-hmm. Capitol Hill. Yeah, I walked into that bathroom. It's got the blue light in it, so I can't inject my drugs. Pardon me. Other people can't inject their drugs, and I'm. You know what I'm talking about? It's no. Got the, it's got a blue light in there so that drug addicts can't find a vein. You're kidding me, right? Is that really a thing? You don't know about this? No. Spike, how much of a boomer are you? This has been a thing for years. I live years. in the suburbs. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Spike. It's not, a, not an age thing. It's a it's a regional, you can't come to my neighborhood Has thing. anybody else seen a blue light bathroom out there? 888-973-5476 is the Michael Shoot Casino Resort text line. They put a blue light in the bathroom. No, I, I, I get so the I, I walk in and I'm basically at like the, like the first night of Coachella. You know what I mean? It's just like really disorienting and really weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really awkward, really uncomfortable. It's almost like I'm in a like a, a very stylistic independent movie as I walk in and it's all blue. Okay. And I don't want to use a bathroom because the, the, the urinals, there are no stalls there. So okay. between me and the door, it's pretty much everybody who's in line at that Starbucks is going to see everything I got. And then the, the, the stalls themselves don't have any doors on them because people do drugs in there. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, gee whiz, this is awful. Uh, this is, I think there's something going on, like even here, when you look at the rest stops that we have in Washington State, they're gross. Yeah. They're not well kept. There is something where we have foregone the most basic of amenities, a sanitary bathroom. We've just let that go by the wayside. Whereas I think if we can have one thing that is sacred on God's green earth, may it be the bathroom? May it be public bathroom? In a civilized society, I don't think you're asking too much, but are we, are we still a civilized society? No. Didn't we lose these places to people who just abuse the privilege we, we provide like for airports? Yeah. We're lost to time. We'll never again <laughs> have an enjoyable experience in an airport ever again. I mean, we, we keep building and they keep getting wrecked and we'll repair and they're wrecked again. How much, how much money do you throw at this before we teach people? You, this, you're why we can't have nice things. People are the reason that I don't go to movie theaters anymore. I used to go to the movies at least twice a week. I used to go all the time. I never go anymore because I can't go to a movie now without somebody who's brought their six-week-old baby is just weeping and crying in yeah, the back row. Screaming, people talking. Cough. you got to go to the one in Bellevue. With, that's 21 plus with oh, the big comfy lounge chairs. Yeah. No babies allowed. No I babies need- allowed. <laughs> baby. Get out of here, baby. And you get, you know, welcome bring, here, little bring baby. Bring to your table. With your little you know? bald, balled up fists punching in the air at nothing. <laughs> you can't even see me because your ocular nerves haven't developed yet. I'm just a blur, you stupid little baby. You can't see nothing. Watch this. Hoo-ha! That's what I would do to that baby. <laughs> So you, you said this story done in San Francisco has some relevance here to the city of Seattle. Is that also, also our lack of public facilities? That's what I'm talking about, my friend. Yeah. That and our abundance of annoying babies ruining movies. <laughs> what is it about with babies? people taking they their children? They can't have any damn civility. This is what I'm saying, is that we have lost something about, like when I was a youngin, 
you could go into a store and say, pardon me, sir, shopkeep, may I have to use the restroom? And he would say, yes, fine lad. It is in the back. And you would walk into the back and the light would be there. And there wouldn't, wouldn't be, be a blue light. Wouldn't be a blue light. Right, there wouldn't be right. any graffiti. I'm not right. trying to do this thing where I'm like, back in my day. But what right. I am trying to say is that there are the little things in life build up to create societal neuroses, and this is one of them. Can't put a $1.7 million bathroom in the middle of bougie white people town. That's an issue. You can't put a bathroom any. Look at the bathroom that's in Cal Anderson Park. That thing is basically a toxic waste zone, right? If you fell on the floor, you'd develop superpowers. You know what I'm saying? I I do. Sadly enough, I do. You'd be the weirdest X-Men. It's the same thing in every every waterfront park between here and Everett. There are public restrooms there that have been destroyed. Destroyed. Graffiti. They they marked them for gang territory. Mm -hmm. You can't have a glass mirror or a porcelain sink because those will be just destroyed. Right. They're replaced with metal sinks, a shiny piece of metal. For what should be a mirror? Yeah, like you're a death what? row inmate. Exactly. So you can't break it off the wall? Seriously? And the, I mean, that's like a ladies thing, but the totally metal toilet seats that Ugh. are so, so cold Ugh. to sit on. Ugh. Yeah. Man. Guys, guys, oh, yeah, I guess yeah, guys <laughs> sometimes too. you have to sit too. Well, but, yeah, but, yeah, but don't you know anything about <laughs> dudes? Sometimes we get scared, so we sit down. <laughs> Come on, Laura. This well, is- restrooms are an indicator species. Of the of the decline of our civilization. That's what I'm talking about. How yeah. do you feel about like the European international model where you like drop a euro, you know, and maybe there's like an attendant who stays there and they give you like a little hand towel. You mean like someone's a, like someone's full time job to kind of guard the restroom, like a hotel in the 1920s where some guy's selling cigarettes in cologne and he, um, mm-hmm. I, I hold out my hands and he washes them for me. Would yeah. you like that in a public Seattle park? Uh no. What I, I what I would like is that we used to have standards of behavior that were just kind of instilled into people. And now that's that's a long range. That's like going to be like a 20 year, 30 year (laughs) down the line. I'll wait for those babies at home who didn't go to the movies listening to the show. Well, okay. This is my thought. People used to know I can't take my six week old baby to the ACDC concert. Now they do it right. With the little headphones and the horns on their headphones. Right. Exactly. It's a baby. People used to know Hey, maybe bringing my baby to this movie theater is a bad idea. People used to have a a sense of, why would I graffiti Mr. O'Malley's bathroom when he's been the shopkeep here since I was a young lad? Kind enough to give you access. Exactly. And the way you repay him is to destroy his facilities? There there is, those are things, and as for as boomer as this sounds, those are things that we need to get back to as a society Meaning that we need to encourage that kind of behavior. Yeah, mutual respect and decency, makes right? it basically impossible when you have people who say, well, you know, people are going to be people, and now we just put a blue light in the Safeway bathroom. Well, so. it's not their fault to destroy the bathroom. Right, it's exactly. our fault for not allowing them exactly. to live, earn a living wage and have a decent place to live. Exactly. It's our fault. It's not their fault. I'll, I'll say this. This is going to be a controversial hot take. I do think that if you get caught destroying somebody's bathroom, mandatory 30 days. I do think. Okay. I do think. It's wow. funny It's funny. I'm more lenient on drugs than I am on destroying somebody's uh, yeah. well, bathroom. No, I think I, I'm, <laughs> I'm agreeing with you on Property this too. destruction. Yeah. Now, if you bring a six-week-old baby to a movie theater, life in prison. <laughs> We're taking your baby away. All right, we'll take a really quick break when we get back. Oh, yeah. So the fallout from the 737 MAX, Boeing, right? The fallout from that. Got a huge, you know, cost Boeing a lot of money, but there's companies are adapting. In a very fascinating way. We shall discuss when we get back right after this. I just noticed 
that there was a commercials going on either TV. We've got multiple TVs in the studio because I demand it. Because when Spike talks, I need something to look at. And on on the CNN channel, okay. there was an advertisement for antidepressants. And at the exact same time, there was an advertisement on Fox for gold, right? Buy gold, invest in gold. Okay. And I thought to myself, I don't think I've ever seen a commercial for antidepressants on Fox News. And conversely, I don't think I've ever seen an advertisement for gold or an advertisement, as some people might say, for gold on CNN. And then I thought to myself... Well, there's got to be a reason for that, Mm -hmm. because most of the people who are watching Fox News probably don't believe in that thing. Depression. What's that? That happened in my house once. We had to repour the foundation. (laughs) My father lived through that depression. And and at the same time, people who are watching CNN are too smart to put their money in gold. (laughs) You know, you're all you got to know your audience when you're advertising, right? I'm just saying, man, that there is a weird thing that happens with advertising. I don't think people realize how affected they are by the amount of advertising mm. that they take in right how yeah. much of an impression a good ad might have I'll give you a local example i just saw the ad for bellevue rare coins that building looks beautiful it makes me want to go there they you know, know their what I mean? stuff i've got i yeah. see happy people yep. who know their stuff that yep. makes me honest to get honest deal honest de- i'm looking yep. and i think to myself that's a finely made commercial i want to go there I just saw, conversely, a commercial for some uh, some scheme of investment scheme on CNN about invest in this thing, and it's a guy who's in like a weird matrix portal, and he's got all these investors flying past his head, and then out of nowhere, like he's having some horrific fever dream combined with a bad acid trip, this like generic white woman pops up out of nowhere, and then she says, come invest with me, just like Willy Wonka. Come right. and see. <laughs> da, da, da. We will improve. We're on solid financial planning. <laughs> right. There's no gold. And I'm thinking to myself. There's no beans. I don't want to go to that website. I do want to go to Bellevue Rare Coins, though. <laughs> do you know what it, I mean? Advertising works. It has a huge impact on your perception of a of either a Absolutely. corporation or a product or whatever it is. Absolutely. I don't think that most people take that into consideration when you're evaluating something, right? They're not supposed to take it into consideration. Oh. They're supposed to just let it wash over them and absorb through their skin you watch more, subconsciously. You watch more cable than I do. I do. Do you? Are you a commercial? Are you sitting through the commercials? Are you watching? Are you flipping channels? Having spent my life in media and when I left the air, I went into advertising. Advertising. Yes. I got a marketing degree. So I, I look at advertising from a different perspective. Mm. I look at its it, the components that it uses to reach its audience, how effective. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think I take it in. At least I hope I don't. Okay. I, don't think, I don't think I take it in the is way it a normal consumer like, does. Is it kind of for you, is it kind of like if when a magician shows a trick or when a stripper tells you her real name, is it kind of just like a big letdown for it you? It is. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but you knew it anyway. I knew your name was an Onyx. <laughs> okay, Tanya. Come on. <laughs> Listen, I know your name is an Ambrosia. Okay, Courtney. Okay, okay come Courtney. On. Yeah, come on. sure. I went knew- to school with my daughter. We've met. <laughs> I saw you in Newsies. Come on. You know, it, it is. It's a letdown. You're right. It's, it's totally like a pretty a letdown. big letdown, yeah, right? Is, when, yeah. when, For her more than me. No, I'm saying know. with the advertisement, though, because you see <laughs> it how is. it's made, right? It, yeah, like, yeah. And, and you, you recognize the patterns of heartstring tugging. You know, yeah, and the, and right, the trustworthy right. spokesperson, which is not not to be saying that people who do spokespersons 
Or trust me, but, hi, I played a sitcom dad in the 1980s, so I can tell you where to put your financial resources. Exactly. Okay. Right. You did a horrible job with the twins in episode five, season seven, but I'm going to trust you with my gold? Right. It's kind of like if I see Alan Alda in a Medicare commercial, I'm going, uh, well, I, It's less effective when I see Joe Namath telling me where to, who, oh, who to pursue for my insurance needs. Right, right. Joe Namath would do more blows to the head than, you know, than, oh. This, I mean, this is a real, who's the, who does the guy, is it Chubby Checker who does the Medicare ads? Did you see this? I haven't. Uh, Chubby's one. I think Chubby has been used as a spokesperson I, for the Medicare right. ads, and that, that's fine. It, it, one of the one of the benefits of a spokesperson is a a long and trusted relationship mm. with the audience outside of the product, like Wilford Brimley and diabetes. Right. I could never understand why he was trying to sell people on that disease, though it didn't make any sense to me. Well, they were so happy with the oatmeal he sold them. Of course, <laughs> they're going to believe him. With the diabetes medicine, right? Right. I just, I was never, advertising just never ceases to amaze me. The narratives that we pull from it, the, what, what it says about us as a society, what we value, what we, what we are attracted to, what we find to be stimulating. Because more often than not, what we find to be stimulating is me, meaning I'm sick, give me a pill, or mm -hmm. uh, me, money, give me more, more of it. <laughs> Rarely is there, I'd like to see more advertising. I, I like those old PSAs that they used to do, where it was like, you know, dad is working really hard, and his kid comes up and he's, dad, let's play catch in the backyard. And he's like, I don't know, I got work to do. Mm -hmm. And then he gets back to his accounting, and he looks out the window, and he There's sees his son throwing the ball up in the air, ball by, up himself, in the air by himself, yeah. and dad goes... You know what? Gosh darn it! I gotta go out there and I gotta be there with my kid. And then he's out there and he's throwing the ball around. Be yeah. a dad. Yeah. The more you know. That, right. Those were great ads. And on the hillside, there's an Indian with a soul tear <laughs> running down his cheek. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because no one wants to play baseball with him. <laughs> right. Which is the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. Right. All right. Well, that's your show today. <laughs> on that happy note. <laughs> on that happy note, Andrew, a plus today. Great job grabbing that one drop. Nate Connors, uh, I don't think I... <laughs> <laughs> That's not for Nate. Uh, Nate Connors, A-plus today, man. Appreciate it. Excellent traffic. Laura, A-plus, giving it to John Curley, sticking it to him. If, oh, he gave it right back. If That's you, okay. If you want to hear Wonderful. If you want to hear Laura and John Curley get into a heated debate about pumpkin v. pecan pie, you can find that on the podcast. Pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie. <laughs> you can find that in our uh, a podcast, wherever you find podcasts, or you can find our digital-only exclusives at the Jack and Spike Show YouTube channel. Spike O'Neill, you get a C-minus today because you laughed at my joke. Here, my friends, is your quote of the day. Nice shooting, son. What's your name? I was in the middle of a joke. Like, I mean, this is what happens every time I'm trying to ramp up to a I'm joke. Trying to hold on my solid D plus. No, you're like you're the Darth Vader of good jokes. Every time I have a good joke, I find your lack of getting to a point disturbing. <laughs>